and also from my experience in the working under several ministers for over 40 years. I believe very much that in this season, the church of God needs to take it in rest and look critically into the very word of God such that will enhance God's people and give them the results uh, that we call the Bible results. In this episode, we are looking at the church of the living God. We have covered in in our two previous lectures on what is the church of God. And then we went straight away to look into um, the grace that God has given to us by which he brought us into the church. We looked into the the, the, who is a believer and the role of Christians in the church is it, just geared towards helping believers to know their position, where they stand, and helping ministers to recognize uh, what the church really is, so that the attitude of ministers will change towards their membership, and the attitude of members will change towards God and His church as well. Now, in this session, therefore, I'll be looking at the characteristics of a Christian worker. The characteristics of a Christian worker. I believe the Bible says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And by that strength of belief, I believe that everyone that is born again is born to be successful. That is, be successful in anything that God has assigned them to do or anything they choose in life to become. I believe that God is multitasking in his brain. Because if, if God is not multitasking, how will he manage the whole world at the same time? I believe very much also that Jesus was multitasked because when Jesus was on earth, he addressed every issue, you know, of life. So also, I believe that believers are multitasking in their mental and in their, in their making. But it's necessary for us, having looked at the fact that we are born again, by grace we are, we are saved, but we are saved to work. I want us to look into the characteristics of a Christian worker. The first characteristics of a Christian worker, from my understanding of Jesus' teaching, is a servant's heart. If we look at the book of um, Matthew 18, Matthew 18, 1 to 4, it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child and and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like a little, the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we look at these scriptures, um, there's a lot of messages in the scripture. But the area that I want us to look at is that Jesus said, unless you change first. To me, the most striking word in that is change. The hardest thing for man is change. Because when men are used to a particular way of thinking, a particular way of doing things, the hardest thing for them is to change. We looked at the God brain that was said in television in the last lecture. 
how people who believe in, in, you have a particular belief in God, could not easily be changed from their belief, especially, you know, either they believe in a deity, they believe in an idol, from their forefathers, their ancestors, and all these things that they believe, or they believe in the, the living God, they believe in Jesus Christ, they believe in the Islamic God, they believe in Hindu God and stuff. And we recognize that when it comes to deity or something about God, people soon get fixed into a particular way which is not easy for them to change. Why would Jesus mention the word change? I think he was talking with God's people who are called the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are religious leaders, people who have been leading God's people for a long time. And now they have come to a place whereby they have a set format of doing things, a set way of believing things and stuff. And Jesus came to tell them the new. And it's very hard for them to change. I will say to you, who is watching me and those of you who are listening to me, that it is possible that somebody is listening to me who has been stuck with some um, religious principles. So much more that you are finding it hard to change or to comprehend. But I would say this to you. Jesus said to us, first of all, every one of us, who believe in him, either the Pope or bishops, archbishops, like myself or apostles and prophets and teachers and whatever we are. Whatever we are, Jesus said, we must change. What must we change to? He says we must change to little children. But you see, it's not just talking about little children as in the entirety of what little children are. No, he's not talking about the behavior. He qualified what he was saying. He said, unless we become like little children, all right, we will not enter the kingdom. Then he said, therefore, whoever humbles himself. So what is Jesus talking about little children? It's humility. <laughs> it is just the humility. It doesn't mean we should sit on the floor like children or mimic the children or, you know, do other things that children do. You know, if you really look at children, I tell you that many things children do that is interesting. When we look at Christian growth, we will see some Christians in different phases of growing from childhood to adolescence. It mirrors the way we are too. But what Jesus is saying here is talking to mature people who are leaders of the church. And Jesus is saying leaders of the church need to change in their attitude. Why? What happens all the time in life is that when people are in a low estate, they are very humble. When you come into church or a member of the church, anything the pastor says, you do. You never say to the pastor, who are you by the way? You never think you know more than your pastor. You see, when your pastor or your general overseer or bishop appoints you as a leader, you feel it's privilege. Anything he says, you do. But after some time, some people get into the position after they have been decorated with higher authorities, delegated with higher authorities, and they also now are not just members, but they have jurisdiction authority over some members. That power soon corrupt their manners. And they come to a place where they begin to question the authority of the one who lay hands on them and appointed them. Oh, well, I mean, how can pastor say this? Or how can the apostle or the bishop or the archbishop say this, you know? But we can do it this way as well. That is pride. That is pride. 
And also you have some others who haven't got taken you from low thing. Your church was not known. You were just having a little, little fellowship in your home somewhere. And then it grew and 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 it grew. And you have churches all over the whole place. You have, you know, uh, you know, you know, camps and campuses and, you know, big auditorium and stuff like that. Money is there. You, you ride on good car. You're also buying jets if that's you. Now you've come to the place whereby you now begin to get used to the Lord Himself. And you begin to introduce various measures to control the people so that they will not go. They are the source of income. In trying to guide and protect and control them, what the devil has done is that he will lead many ministers to now begin to set some rules and laws. Of course, I do not disagree with applying intellectual knowledge into the running of the church. We should. But only those that are sanitized among those knowledge. The knowledge of academics we have that could be applicable to the church must be a knowledge of liberty, not a knowledge of bondage. A knowledge of liberty, of course. A knowledge that can redefine people's identities and purposes so that people can be more focused, more decisive and straight going and so that each person can face his responsibility and also together we can fulfill the global responsibility. But what happens contrary is that a good number of ministers, after being comforted and rich and stuff, they begin to make laws that will, you know, uh, relegate some class of people, maybe those they, who started with them. All right? Because those who started with you know you from scratch. When you change, they are the only one who can say, ah, Daddy, you have changed, or uh, Sir, this is not the way you raised us. But the one who came to know you after the glory, they kind of confront you to uh, help tell you that, um, it, can we take a second look at this? And uh, some ministers, leaders who, because of not, the fear of not wanting to lose control, they will do things and they relegate those who are the immediate lieutenants so that they build a gap between them and these folks so that they now are like God and these people who God had given to them to be their think tank and brain are totally rendered useless. And of course, we have seen in the church of God today, certain had developed to some ministers appointing bodyguards around themselves. When they are preaching, you have people standing by the altar in case somebody will come with a gun to shoot them and these guys are not armed anyway. So, all those stuff come into the church. We have become like an Eli who sleep and lay his head on the same side. First Samuel chapter 3. So therefore, to hear the voice of change now, it's going to be something ridiculous. How can I, who never shake the hands of my members, become somebody who has to wait for grace in the church? Because previously, when the church starts, before the grace, I run away because I don't want any contact with them, you see. We have to put a distance between me and the church. So that there should be respect. Issues like somebody I called you know, some time ago, a minister says to me that, you know, Apostle, if when people phone you, you just book them to see you the next week, you will lose value. We are taught that, look, we have to give them six months, even if we have nothing to do, so that they will, they will attach some respect to my office. When the issue of a minister becomes seeking respect and honor, then there's a need for change. There's a need for change. Of course, I... We we'll talk about this before moving away from this area because it's, 
It is an epidemic that is um, eating into the bone marrow of the church today. And many young folks who are just coming are always thinking that that is the set way the church should be. But I stand to tell you I'm an old folk and in the, I'm in, an old man in the new, new, new clothing. And I can tell you, it's the same Christ yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know? The reason is because, how would you place the issue of ministers who are bodyguard, armed bodyguard? When they go into a meeting, you have arrays of jeeps, about six, seven jeeps, filled with men, martial men, and they're in the middle of it, coming down with guards and running and stuff like that. There's a need for change. There's a need for change. What about if you go into a meeting as a minister and a, and a general overseer of a church and nobody recognizes you? How do you feel? Do you seek to be recognized? There's a need for change. Because, you see, a child will be brought into the same church. It doesn't matter if the child is, a, is, a, is a, being celebrated in the nation as a record breaker. And wherever they put the child, the child will sit. Because the child is able to differentiate between his achievement and his persona. Who he is. Humility. Humility is the bedrock of promotion in the kingdom of God. But I want to say something to us. Jesus says something so, so dangerous. He says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like the child, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom. So therefore, I can say that there are many people in the church of God across the globe today that the church hail, but they are nothing in the kingdom. Nothing. Somebody has the largest crowd in the city or in the country doesn't make you great in the kingdom. How we together? I think humility, a basic fundamental of humility that you see in every child is this. Humility accepts everybody for what they are. When a little child sees you, he hugs you. He hugs you the same way you hug uh, a rich man. He will hug the poor man like that. He doesn't have distinction between the prime minister and the queen. Uh, when the queen comes in, the little child will just go and uh, say hi to the queen like he will say hi. You know, he will celebrate the queen and he will celebrate the papa who he knows down the road. All right. And I think the time has come for the church of God to recognize that to be Influential in the kingdom of man does not mean high in the kingdom of God. And humility is not to be walking streets and don't greet people. Humility is to be the people as yourself. That is humility. Approachable by any human being. Loving to every human being. Not hypocritical. Greeting these people and shunning these people. Ignoring people deliberately because you think that you want to show them you are somebody. This is basic that is happening all over the church in the whole world. You got to change. There are many great figures in the church of God never recognized in heaven. Therefore, before we move away from this area, I think we need to recognize something to that. If God has been recognizing you because of your humility and you have been ascending and been blessed, the moment you begin to put on pride, God begins to turn away from you, for God resists the pride. Which means, therefore, you will still be on the ladder, on the position, but God is departed from you. Humility can never be overemphasized. I will never be able to over, overemphasize the word humility. 
Therefore, the Lord Jesus revealed in this scripture the first quality of a servant, which is humility, attitude to serve. This was pointed out in the life of a child, which reveals total submission, especially to one another. The book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. Let's write that down too. It says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud and gives what? Grace to the humble. So if you look at this scripture, therefore, that scripture buttresses what I'm saying, that when God gives you grace, because you are humble, he keeps on giving you grace. And you keep, you keep going further, keep going further, keep going further. The moment you turn away from humility, God turns away from you. What happens? Grace started to, the grace will start to diminish and diminish. You who, who have spoken before and God will move and things will happen, you begin to scream out your interest and nothing is happening again because God of grace is withdrawing his grace from you. Because of pride. It says in verse 6, Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. You know, sometimes we, we do not recognize that if somebody insults you and you feel so bitter, it is pride. <laughs> it is pride. You know, I taught you sometime in CFT Church that divide the man from conduct. If somebody insults you so terribly and you get so angry and bitter, do you know the, what is behind it? There are some people who can give you the same insult and you say, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because those guys are in a position that give you life and determine your life, determine your work, determine how much you earn. And so you believe you owe them a duty to be silent even when they are rude to you and they are mistreating you because you are looking out to them for something that anchors your life. But the one other one who just was a little bit rude, not as rude as that one, because what do you offer me? You know that kind of attitude? So you recognize that it's a silent pride in being bitter over somebody who disrespected you. You know, your attitude should be, if anyone disrespects you, what honor do I really deserve? You know, I'm just an ordinary man. Let people be what they are. Because you are not regarded or respected or honored, it shouldn't make you misbehave. You can still be yourself. The fact is that sometimes, you know, we go on the streets, and somebody who doesn't know us honor us. Okay? Did you work for that? So if you didn't work for that, somebody honor you because God said honor him. I have met a lot of people who done that to me. And when I think about this, I recognize that, look boy, were you the one who made these people honor you? You don't know them from Adam. They say from Adam, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know you from Adam. <laughs> Maybe we know them from Eve. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. And they honor you and they respect you. Now, we didn't, we didn't do anything to, 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 to run that or to, to, to be worthy of that. Let that then give you consolation over those that you expect to honor you. And let they honor you. I always say to my wife, maybe he's not in the right mood. So, and what about tomorrow? And he comes and oh, you are the best pastor. That is the truth. What he did yesterday was not the truth. Hello? Yesterday he had just said that I'm fed up of all you these pastors. <coughs> you know, 
That if I have my way, I will get rid of all of you. I don't even know what you are to me, what you have done to me. You have, you have not done nothing to me in my whole life. And to your face. And you are the one who got him saved. Who nurtured him. You gave him your money when he was a pauper. Smelling and thinking you, you made him bath. You taught him how to brush his mouth. And, you know, clean shave and stuff like that. You mentored him. Now he can dress well with some tie and, you know, he, he says to you that, what do you think? What the hell you think you are? That is enough to make you un- unhappy. Somebody you sent to school and house him and now he's saying that you did nothing to me anyway. It's enough to make you mad. But if you go mad, it's pride. Listen to me. This pattern, Jesus Christ. The people he raised, they are dead. They told him, if you are the son of God, now prove it. And the Bible says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. That is the humility God wants us to have. Your humility, you know one thing about God, what I found about God. Very funny. The moment you say God now, in this meeting, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to just be humble. I won't let anybody... Because your humility, your act of humility, understand from Jesus' teaching is between you and God. Isn't it? Because he says God gives grace to the humble. So it has nothing to do with man. Man can give you nothing because you are humble. Okay? Than to applaud you and to respect you. God is the one that can give you grace. Now, but this is it. That string between you and God, it's only man that can determine it. So, once you say, God, I'm going to be, hum- I'm going to be very humble. What, w- what do you expect from God? To stare up somebody to test that confession. So that somebody that is respectful before becomes wise, unrespectful, violently unrespectful, and wind you to the, to the limit. And God is saying to the angels that, you know, look at him. He confessed it and he's standing by it. Look at his heart. He's not even angry anymore. Look at his mind. He's just cool. <laughs> he didn't take it personal. Look at him. And then the devil will say that, no, 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 God, is because I want him up three degrees. Let me give him 30 degrees. And he gives you 30 degrees of whining, and yet nothing. But before, if they wind you up one degree, the whole heavens will be interceding for mercy. Because you are born again, yeah, but you don't take mess. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> if born again, you don't take mess, yeah? But now you have made up your mind that, Jesus, I'm going to be like you. If they put thorns on your head and you never curse them, and they, they put spear in your ribs, and you never curse the, the father and the mother that gave birth, commanded that hand to wither, who, who put spear on you? And hate that one and said, God, I will die, but this one is excluded from the death. This one who pierced my rib at the, at the injury time, I will let him. You want to be like that, Jesus, therefore. God will allow your, your, your confession to be wind up to 100 degrees. When God deals with that in you, he's there with it. But you know, God cannot take away any load from you unless you give it to him. Say, come on to me with that labor and a heavy laden. But you must bring it to him first. Alright, cast your yoke before me. And this is the point that we must deal with before we go into the rest of the lectures of the week. Because this week we recognize now from Peter that... It says, God opposes the humble and gives grace. He opposes the, the proud and gives grace 
to the humble. So we recognize therefore that for grace to be increased, it is by the degree of humility. God cannot entrust grace upon the hand of a man beyond the degree of his humility because if he gives it to you, you are going to abuse it. Someone who feels like killing somebody because the person misbehaves, if God gives you authority, you will just say die. And many people will be dying like that. And those are guys that God wants to still save and use them. You know? Let me say this before we move away from this. Humility looks behind the veil. When there's a situation, humility looks behind the veil. Okay? It doesn't look at the act. It looks at what is behind the act. And sometimes we need to recognize this. When we walk in God's simplicity, what happens to you is this. Sometimes people will be aggressive against you. They will do terrible things against you. I mean terrible thing. Okay? What ought you be? Not angry. Because sometimes people have legitimate reason for behaving that way. Though the conduct may not be good. Are you with me now? They have responded according to their level. You know, this trip, mommy and I went to Nigeria. An incident happened. Somebody just came in and when he came in, he started to shout. And, you know, mommy asked her, oh, how are you? You know, you know, as normal. I hope you are fine. And the person just busted into flames inferno and started speaking and speaking. This is the person that mommy and I raised up to. We, we contributed to their life and all stuff like that. And when that was going on, you know, I understood. Because I have just taught you, separate the man from the conduct. Separate the man from the conduct. Love the man, hate the conduct. I have just been teaching you that in church again and again. And God was saying it severally before I went. So the moment he came in, I remember, separate the man from the conduct. So I tried to pin mommy down. <coughs> My wife down. Mm, don't reply. Please keep quiet. And the, the person will keep on saying more things, more things because she refused to speak. And, you know, say so many things and so many more things. You know, because you didn't answer this one, another one will come out. You don't answer that, another one will come out. You don't answer this. And after some time, all over the whole place. And I said to her, please be, please be calm. Please be calm. And, you know, and then I decided to leave because I was just working on my school assignment. <laughs> Hello. And I have to submit it by 12 midnight. And this is just about 11. That was the time I was trying to think about conclusion of what. And you know, if you get the conclusion wrong, all what your argument is, is just stupid. So, and that is the point of time that this inferno came. I just calmed down and said, okay, so darling, please, don't worry, don't worry. I said, you have a point, you have a point, you know. And my wife didn't understand why I said he has a point. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. So, and I told mommy, please calm down, please calm down. I took my book and I was going up. And that person came to us, the consciousness, and came and stopped me from going. I said, please, please, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to, to be rude before you. I don't mean to do this before. I said, look, darling, you can't understand me, but I understand. You are okay. I am okay. He said, no, no, I'm very well. No. I said, oh, hug her. Please. Calm down. That's what I'm, I'm going on because I have assignment to submit by 12 o'clock. When I finish the assignment, I will come and talk with you. And, and you know, my mommy came and said, no, 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 you can't stop my husband from going. Let him go. I said, I told you, separate the conduct from the man. Love the man, but don't like the conduct. So, anyway, whatever it is, I went up. 
And after I went up, you know, mommy too came up and uh, they were talking and she was telling her when she said that, you did nothing for me. Said, I bought, I did this for you, but it's nothing. But I also did this. But you know when in trying to defend yourself, you'll just be dragged into the pool. Once you get into the pool, it's spinning. You, to get you out, it would take divine, divine God to, to lift you out of the pool. Because you keep going around this fire, isn't it? And it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And if you don't, if you, if you just step into it, that's the end of it. So you know what God did? She came up, okay, if that's what you believe. And she came up, when she came up, the woman, the person came and said, uh, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why did I behave like that to you? <laughs> Look, what I'm telling you, if she was so angry and she began to curse her and they curse themselves and stuff, how would she be broken? So when I came down the following morning, because after submitting that assignment, the following day, I looked, as I looked into the classroom board, I saw another topic and another question waiting for me. So I slept and I did those stuff. By morning I came out. And when I came out, she woke up, she nailed down, begging me. I said, darling, how will I convince you that I'm not hot? Especially in Nigerian culture. In my position as a general overseer, a man of God who you esteem highly, you have worked with me for years, you know what God is with me. But I said to her that, do you know something? I'm not angry with you. I said, I can understand your heart. I read behind your action, not the action. And you have communicated your heart. Is well understood. That is the interesting thing. But the action, the way you, you behave, is because of your level. It's nothing. It doesn't aggravate me. I'm not angry at all. She cannot, she can't believe me. For a while, I begged her to believe me. You want me to cry too? I will cry for you now. <laughs> if, you, if it is cried, I will make you believe what I'm saying. I will cry for you. <laughs> I said, I said, look at me, darling. You have not changed to me. What you had been to me ever, that's what you are. You know, I teach people in my church that may God not let you marry Emily. That is a woman who doesn't speak. You say to your wife, stand up, she stands up. What are you doing? She says, I uh, stand up. You say, sit down, and she sits down. What are you doing? I uh, sitting down. If you tell her, go to the kitchen, she will just go to the kitchen and wait. Because it's only go to the kitchen, you say. You don't want a woman like that. You want a woman that you say, sit down. Say, why should I sit down now? <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> Stand up. What am I standing for? All right. You know, okay. okay we are standing together. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Now, therefore, I think the greatest thing that God will first deal with us is humility. Because arrogance and pride manifest both in a violent way and also in the most subtle way that those who possess it sometimes cannot see that they do. But we want to make a change because Jesus has said to us that we must humble ourselves. And especially in dealing with one another, haven't he said that the young men should be submissive to the old ones, that young men and women respecting the elderly ones? He also said that, but you respect one another. Isn't it? Because I'm older than somebody doesn't mean I can be rude to the person. It's not permitting the household of faith. Seniors cannot be rude to the juniors. Really, seniors are supposed to be more serving and more humble 
I'm more patient so that the junior ones can learn by practice. Oh, if someone did that to me, I won't take it. But he takes it. She takes it. And she's still loving. She not even mention it. And then they will say, oh, I have to be like that. That's the way the church of God ought to be. Is anybody who's looking for power? It's not by fasting. It's by humility. Somebody is looking for manifestation of God's grace. It's not by fasting. I beg you, it's not by fasting. I've never fasted more than three days in the entire life of my entire being. Okay? And yet, all what God is doing through me, it didn't come by my fasting. It came by my submission. My love for God, which translates to my love for humanity. If I cannot respect the man I see, I would not be able to respect the God I do not see. And no, I told you something that. That humility is the substance between you and God, but it is established by your testing of men. I would together now. When you pass men's tests, that grace, that humility increases. Then when you get to the limit of that, another test. Once you pass that test, the grace increases, and the humility increases. And good enough, the measure of humility determines the measure of grace. You know, I showed you grace in the last lecture that some of you, you know, in the book of Acts chapter 4 from verse 34, I suppose, or so, it says that when the apostles testify with, with you know, to the resurrection power, grace is upon the church. So those of you who are in business, you make money. Those of you who are in offices, you get promoted. Those of you who are jobless, you get job because grace is increasing over you. And those of you who are called to the office of prophetic, you start manifesting. Those into the office of healing start manifesting because the apostle is teaching the word, the resurrection of Christ. Okay? And that is invoking grace upon you. So therefore, it's for me to teach the word of Christ so that I can teach it continuously in the power of resurrection is determined by my humility before God. The more I'm humble, the more I build up the height. And the, the higher I am, the more I can see in the spiritual. Then the more I can communicate to you the spiritual, and that will release grace for you to prosper, to manifest, to be healed, to be delivered, and stuff like that. This is the principle of God. It is the principle of God. Now, having said that, We end this lecture on grace, on the characteristics of, of a believer. The, I dwelt on humility because it's the most important. Then the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 1. All right. Very quickly, and I'll stop in about three minutes. Romans 13. 1 and 2. It says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authority, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will will bring judgment on themselves. We will talk more about that in subsequent meeting. Now, 
I wanted to, let me read this to you. Humility and patience, they are the key to more grace and promotion. Humility and patience is the key to more grace and promotion. We saw that in that first Peter 5 we read. We saw that in the, in the scripture in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, 20 to 28. If you get, when you get to him, you read that. We will speak more about that. The word indignant in verse 20, 24 means angry and scornful. You know, the 20, 20 to 28 is quite a, an extensive uh, area of scripture. I think I want to deal with that in the next lecture tomorrow morning. We will look further on grace plus patience, which is the key. You know, humility and patience, which is the key of promotion. I'm sure that you have been blessed by this little expo. Can I say something to you? I feel bound together with you to what the Bible is saying. Don't worry. While you are listening to me, you may begin to look at the condition you are now, your state of mind, and feel that, oh, this is hard stuff. I don't think I, I will ever conform with this. Let me say something to you. I started somewhere, and by his grace, submitting to the word daily, and deciding to practice what I hear, I never observed myself when I began to change. I used to be a boxer, a national champion. I will talk more about that in the week. And how would you dare, a boxer? I was a winner throughout my time. My last bout was bantamweight, and I gave everybody knockout during my days. And that really, during the period, during the season, worked some confidence in me, and I say overconfidence, that I, I look for trouble, and I celebrate when trouble comes around me. Because I've been trained to handle man who caused the trouble, and then the trouble will fizzle out. But, by the mercy of God, I was transformed from one level to the other, to the place I am today, that what I'm teaching you, that is what I am. But yet, I still look up to the Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that I may get higher and higher and higher and become exactly like him. This is the principle of humility, which both you and I will make up our mind in this time. We must attain it at all costs. Understand, humility and patience is equal to increase of grace. God bless you. Until the next time I come across your path, remain blessed. Well, church, I want to say to us that in this meeting, we keep to time.